When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to Soccer Made in Portland on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. My name is Chris Reifer, and joining me, as always, the Timbers and Thorns beat writer for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com, Jamie B. Goldberg. Jamie B., how are you on this rainy Monday afternoon? I'm actually quite upset that it suddenly changed from summer to apparently fall in the span of just a few days. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the rain. Uh, I can deal with it. I, I like Portland, but I, the summers are by far my favorite part of the year. And um, the only benefit is that my house no longer smells like it's on fire from the wind change from the Eagle Creek fire. Uh, and the rain's definitely helping with that. But I, I'm pretty sad that it seems like we've made that switch to fall. I can hear the pitchforks and torches coming out for you right now <laughs> uh, because this rain seems very, very popular. Uh, and and I'm certainly among it, 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 its fans. I'm a big fan uh, of cleaning up the air, which has been a total bummer and has deprived us of a lot of like nice summer days. Yes, uh, especially nice late summer days. So it's cleaning up the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's sort of like getting set for the transition to fall. There will still be a good number of nice days between uh, September and even into October. There are always a number of nice days, sort of in the late summer, early fall, where you know it'll be in the uh, high 60s or even high 70s. Sometimes we'll even hit the low 80s this time of year still. Uh, and it'll be nice and sunny and it'll be fall-like and it'll be gorgeous. Uh, so you've still got that in front of you. Uh, this, to me, is just unambiguously good news. It, it, it is somewhat worrying, uh, you know, with sort of the landslide danger, the, the fire-inspired landslide danger coming from this. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, I think that is... Uh, something that is that is you know I mean kind of the cost of just being uh, of getting this rain of getting this relief uh, and so I for one am grateful that's something that that like you know you always say that or, or at least I always say that you don't because you just hate the rain whenever it comes uh, but I always say that in, in like September and then come February I'm like okay I'm over this uh, let's move on but uh, nonetheless as it is in September this first rain I'm a big fan and I think that makes me far more popular than you uh, on this podcast right now. Um, okay, that's because this is Soccer Man in Portland, and Portlanders have a uh, somewhat hipsterish, counterculturish uh, love of the rain. Uh, of the soccer that was made, you know, about Portland over the course of the last week or so since we spoke last, we only have one game to talk about. That is the Timbers 2-1 loss to Real Salt Lake. Uh, on the weekend on Saturday evening. Uh, our prediction's not so hot. You called a 3-2 win with the Diego Valeri hat trick. Uh, you get zero points. Remember we talked about this, <laughs> that you were specifically predicting the hat trick. I would not have even allowed you to predict only one goal because that would have been lame. Uh, and, and so zero points there. Uh, I called a 2-2 draw with Sebastian Blanco getting a goal and an assist. I don't know. I guess it's like, like I got... Yeah, I mean, we both got RSL's number of goal, goals right, but... Whatever, because we got the result wrong. Uh, Blanco actually had kind of a snaker of a game. Uh, probably his worst game in quite some time. Uh, and so, yeah, none of that really happened. I, I say zeros all around, and we just move on to the next segment. Do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I'm okay with that. Okay, so zeros all around. We will talk, of course, about the game. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, what level of concern does this loss cause you for the Timbers? Maybe a 2. Uh, I... I really doesn't raise much of a level of concern for me. I think as we talked about last week, they were kind of playing with house money on this after having two good performances on the road and picking up um, four points in two road games in a row heading into this. So they end the road trip with four points out of three games. I think going into these three games against Seattle, New York and Salt Lake, I think we uh, definitely would have been happy uh, with four points out of all of this. So I think they're in a good position in the standings. I I think when you look at the game, there's nothing that was what I look at specifically that's worrying heading forward. I I do think the Timbers had a slow start. Uh, I I do think that 
obviously there was a goalkeeping error there, but overall it, it was just a game that the Timbers were in for most of the game after getting over that slow start and uh, weren't able to pull out the win on the road. And it was not, did not come at the worst time for them given the cushion they put themselves in the standings with the results in the games before. Yeah, I, I totally echo your two. You know, the points would have been nice to be sure. Uh, other results uh, around the Western Conference went pretty well for the Timbers. Uh, the Whitecaps dropped points at home uh, in drawing the Columbus crew. They actually salvaged a point in that game late uh, as Tony Chani put in a header to, to equalize. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the, they dropped points uh, as they are one week away now from concluding the soft part of their schedule. Uh, the Seattle Sounders went down to FC Dallas, the team that has become sort of inexplicably the Western Conference whipping boy uh, and and got a 0-0 draw out of it. That certainly was a game that the Sounders were no doubt looking for three points from. They did not get them. Uh, and, and, and the Houston Dynamo, they lost uh, to the San Jose Earthquakes. They have actually fallen out of playoff position for now. Uh, Sporting Kansas City got three points uh, at home. Uh, against the New England Revolution, but I think everybody expected that to happen. It actually wasn't as easy as you would have thought. Uh, this is a Revolution team that was missing two folks from their 7-0 sh- shellacking at the hands of Atlanta United midweek. Uh, New England made matters worse for themselves uh, by picking up an early red card in this one as well. So SKC played 11-10 v for most of this game. Uh, they actually went down early. I think that was before uh, the red card, but nonetheless... Uh, we're able to to use the advantage to to take a three one win, but nothing about that win was was terribly impressive uh, from SKC. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as far as the way the other results in the Western Conference went, I, there's nothing that you look around and say, man, that's really a killer. Uh, having let this opportunity go by for the Timbers, and I totally agree with you on the game. I mean, look, goalkeeping and consistency has been a frequent topic on this podcast. Just as a little matter of foreshadowing, I think it might be again. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that, that's not exactly a surprise. Uh, nobody was caught off guard by that. I didn't think the, the performance was especially bad or good, or I I thought it was sort of, you know, aside from that slow start, you mentioned kind of an average game for the Timbers. Uh, you know, they could have gotten a draw out of that. It wouldn't have surprised me. I mean, if they'd gotten a little bit lucky, maybe they could have pulled pulled three points. Uh, they got a little bit, maybe unlucky Jefferson Sabarino's, uh, goal in the second half, Kind of a tip your cap kind of thing, right? Great hit. Hey, you know, I mean, if that's the kind of shot you want to live on, the Timbers are going to, are going to live with that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, tip your cap to him. Great hit. Not a huge, you know, error that led to that. No big structural problems for the Timbers. Not like Jeff Adanella was standing on his head. Uh, the Timbers let, you know, one or two chances go by. RSL let one or two chances go by. Yeah. I mean, coming away, there, were, there was nothing out of that game, as you said, that caused me additional concern beyond, well, you know, would have been great to get points, but not by any means fatal. So, yeah, I'm with you on a two, maybe maybe even like a, a harsh two. That might, might, like It's maybe like a one and a half, uh, just because, you know, I, I was generally nonplussed. It would have been fantastic. If the Timbers had won, they would have been uh, atop the Western Conference. They've got a just absolute cream puff schedule from here on out. Really, really favorable. And, and if the Timbers had won, you know, we'd probably be sitting here saying, boy, the Timbers really are in position just to run away with the West. Not the case. They, they're still very much in the race, but it is still a race. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much what everybody expected. And as you said, four points from those three games, you know, take that every, every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Uh, that That is a, a good outcome from that road stretch. And now, you know, the the getting gets good for the Timbers. And, and, and yes, they've got to go out and win the games, but they're very winnable. Uh, Diego Valeri. Uh, this is a straightforward one. Uh, is he or is he not human? Jamie Goldberg, what's your take? Uh, I am not quite sure. Uh, I, I mean, he's a saint, right? That's that's his nickname. But yeah, I'm not quite sure if he's human or not. After or, or he's performance. or he's the maestro, which means he likes yeah. his pants very nicely creased. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he's he he's. This is just fun to watch, really. Uh, what he's doing right now, the the season he's putting in, uh, the records he's breaking. Uh, Every single week, it seems like we're talking about a new record that Diego Valeri has broken. And um, I, I saw someone on Twitter say that I think he's going to run out of records, but uh, Mike Donovan was quick to shut that down. So we'll see. There'll probably be even more records that Valeri's going to break 
and he's right on the cusp on in the next few weeks if he keeps performing like this. I think the most exciting part is that you're seeing Larry pick up the slack where the Timbers could have really suffered in this stretch without Fernando Audi. And that's six games in a row, I believe, without Audi. Larry scored in all six of those. has been a big reason why the Timbers have been able to pick up results despite missing their top striker. And Valeri's done a good job, and I think I'm sure you'll talk more about this. And you wrote about it with 442 to adjusting uh, what to what the Timbers need over his career here. And in the last few games, he has been the goal scorer. Last eight games, the goal scorer the Timbers need at this point in the season to continue to keep pace in the standings and continue to really move up the standings and fight for a top seed in the Western Conference. You know, if you if we were looking for a good hot take for the hot take segment to be named later, I think a great hot take would have been, in spite of all evidence, Diego Valeri is in fact human. Uh, and but I you know, frankly, I mean, th- th- it is not my hot take. It is not the HTS TBNL right now. I'm not going to go there. Frankly, I would like I, I would be interested to see the testing uh, and 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 how the you know I mean how the evidence evidence ultimately plays out on that because uh, especially based on what we've seen from him over the last uh, couple months or so. I'm not convinced he's human. Uh, he has been absolutely machine-like automatic for the Timbers. Uh, and, you know, I mean, for for those reasons that I talked about on, uh, at, over at 442 that we've talked about here, that I've talked about at Stumptown Footy, that you've talked about at Oregon Live, uh, I mean, it's, it's been absolutely vital for the Timbers, not just over this stretch, and, and it's been, you know, this has perhaps been his most vital stretch for the Timbers. But, you know, I mean, over the course of the last five years, and especially now over the course of the last two years, as he's become one of the best goal scorers in the league. I mean, the Timbers have two of the top ten goal scorers in MLS. And anybody who tries to disagree with that is wrong. Period. End of story. Uh, Fernando Adi and Diego Valeri are two of the ten best goal scorers in MLS. uh, And every bit of evidence over the course of the last couple of years supports that. Uh, So, you know, I mean... Is he human? I mean, my goodness, he is the club uh, record holder in goals. He is, uh, I, I think, now four away from yes. being uh, the club record holder in assists. Um, yeah, I mean, give me a break. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not ready to pronounce him human uh, by any means, and I think that would be one heck of a hot take if you're prepared to do so. This has been a spectacular stretch for him. Uh, just that consistency, coming in, getting a goal every single time out, uh, and, and and putting his stamp on the game every single time out. I mean, that's something that you say about players, you know, I mean, the, and, and that is sort of thrown around where you're like, oh, this guy makes his mark on the game every single time he steps on the field. It's rarely true, though, right? I mean, at least in any meaningful sense, it, it, it's rarely true. I mean, yes, in a technical sense, you, you know, if he plays all those games, yes, he puts a mark on the game in some way. But, uh, but I mean, it's, it's rarely true that a guy really does come out in every single game and is a significant factor in the game. That's been Diego Valeri, and that's been Diego Valeri over the course of uh, a lot of his, uh, his, his time in Portland in the sort of broader, more cliched sense. It's been Diego Valeri in a very, very, very real sense over the course of the last couple of months. And as you put it, it's been a, a sight to behold. It's been outstanding. Uh, Robert wants to know, we're going to take his question here because I f- think it fits nicely within the discussion of, of the loss at RSL. Uh, are the Timbers better off with Liam Ridgewell or Roy Miller at left center back? What's your take, Jamie Goldberg? I still think they're better with Liam Ridgewell uh, in there. I think that it's difficult when you're starting to get a little bit of consistency on a back line with, with a team like this, which, which has had no consistency all season with their back four, to make a move and take a player out that's done well on the back line and has done well alongside Mabiala. So I think in that sense, it was tough to maybe see Miller come out of that position, but overall Ridgewell has been what Ridgewell has done for the Timbers back line. You you can see in the statistics, the Timbers have been a better team when he is back there. And as he gains chemistry with Mabiala, you have every reason to believe assuming Ridgewell can stay healthy, that that's going to be a pretty good darn good center back pairing. So, yeah, I, I think Miller has been great for the Timbers this season. I, I think he's, I think we've talked about it. He's been the defensive MVP. The Timbers wouldn't be where they are without him. But if Ridgewell's healthy and can gain chemistry and can gain that consistency, he's going to be better in the long run uh, for the Timbers at center back, uh, at least for the season. Because as we've talked about, the health concerns going into next year are a whole nother issue. <laughs> massive. They're massive. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I actually think this is a, a relatively straightforward kind of thing. Look, we've been, 
this has been well plowed field over the course of the last few years. The the simpler reality is the timbers by points per game, uh, by goals against average, are just better when Liam Ridgewell is on the field. Uh, I know Roy Miller has been good at left center back. He is, uh, you know, exactly as you put it, and we've been talking about it. He's, uh, for me, the defensive MVP, MVP for the timbers this season. Uh, but that is because Liam Ridgewell has been out. Uh, that's because Ridgewell hasn't played a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, looking at the RSL game in particular, I don't think there was anything major that I looked at and said, boy, Ridgewell's just killing him at left center back. I bet they wish they had Roy Miller there. Uh, you know, I, I thought Ridgewell had an okay game. I didn't think he was particularly spectacular. I didn't think he was particularly poor. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, for a first game back from injury, I thought he was just fine. Uh, and given his track record over the long term, uh, you know, I, I think he is a relatively easy start. And I, I think Caleb Porter has made that pretty clear. There has been no indication ever that Porter has seriously considered benching Ridgewell for form. It's always been health. And the questions around Ridgewell have always been uh, about his availability. When he's been on the field, he's been good and the Timbers have been better. Uh, and, and so I think that's a relatively straightforward case. Uh, I think it does raise another related question that Michael hits on. That's why I put these two together, uh, which is assuming the, the Vetus was 90 minutes fit to play. Why should Roy Miller start over him at left back? Do you think that was a mistake? And do you think that Vetus should be the starter going forward? Even if as a result, uh, Roy Miller is not on the back line for the Timbers. I think when you look at the season overall, there Vitas has not been super consistent. He he has had some issues at that position when he has played, and he's obviously had some issues staying on the field in terms of his injuries. That said, I, I think when he's played recently, he's been very good at left back. And what he provides that Roy Miller doesn't is the ability to get forward in the attack and contribute uh, on offense. And, and I think Miller is a consistent defender. I, I think overall he's been very good for the Timbers. I think even at left back, which I think people think of him as better at center back, particularly given uh, some of the videos and things that are out there from when he played left back in, within Red Bulls. But I think overall at left back, he's been pretty consistent. He's been solid in that position, but he's a defensive minded fullback when he's playing in that position, just like he is at center back. And he doesn't provide what Caleb Porter has talked about over and over again as being important from his fullback. So that ability to get forward and spark the attack. So Vitas brings that. And overall, I think Vitas, because of that, is a better option. I think that was something that Timbers were absolutely missing in Salt Lake. That ability to have a fullback on the left side getting forward, combining uh, with Sebastian Blanco making an impact in the attack. And that wasn't happening. So I think, yeah, maybe Porter did make a mistake there. But given Miller's consistency this season, given his recent performance, I can see the reason why Porter would want to keep him in the lineup. But if you're going to get a fullback in there that is going to contribute to the attack, it has to be Vitas. You know, I, I, I too get where Porter's coming from on this. And like, you know, I mean, it, it certainly is without question, part of even where we're coming from on, on this and saying that uh, Miller has been the Timbers defensive MVP MVP. That is a guy that, that Caleb Porter is obviously and very understandably and reasonably reticent to take off the field. Uh, because he has been probably the most consistent player over the course of the season on the back line. Uh, I, I just think when it comes to Miller's form, when it comes to the, the the team's overall shape, he is just a better left center back than he is a left back. I think he's an okay uh, left back. I think he 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 can give you some some spot starts where you're not super worried about it. You know what you're going to get going forward. Not much. Uh, you know what you're going to get in defense. Competence. Uh, and, and, you know, as long as that's sort of, you're okay with that on, on a spot start basis, I think that's totally fine. And I think that's helpful depth to have. He's a, he's been a pretty good, darn good left center back for the Timbers as he was for Saprissa, uh, in, in the years before. And frankly, even the Costa Rican national team, uh, up until just a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think that is, uh, for the Timbers where his primary value is. And unfortunately with Ridgewell coming back into the team, uh, and, you know, and, and, and sort of getting fit again, at least, you know, for now, uh, that, you know, Miller is is to some extent a victim of that. Because I completely agree. I, I think the biggest thing that Vitas provides as a left back is just the fact that he is consistently engaged in the attack, that he is pretty consistently or at least a legitimate threat 
to to be an overlapping presence. He gives Sebastian Blanco so much freedom because if there's not that legitimate threat uh, on the touchline on the left, then Blanco's got to do a lot of work out wide in order to make sure the timbers don't get narrow, in order to make sure the timbers aren't squeezable uh, and RSL essentially can't bog them down uh, by getting the rest of the team pretty compressed and not having the ability to use the left side of the field. Uh, when when it's Roy Miller over the top of, of Blanco, he has to stay wide. And that's just not where he's best. Sebastian Blanco is best, and he's shown this over and over and over and over again. When Even if he starts from a wide position, he gets into the channel. He gets central, uh, and he's able to combine with either his forward or, or, or with Diego Valeri or whoever else is playing uh, in central midfield. Uh, and he's able to get involved in the attack there with an attacking option coming over the top of him. The reality is Vitas provides that so much more than Miller does, that even if Miller is a little bit better defensively than Vitas is, and to be honest, I, I think when Vitas is playing well, it's not a significant difference. Uh, Vitas certainly ha- is a perfectly competent, perfectly fine defensive left back, uh, but when Vitas is playing well, I, I, and even when uh, you know Miller is maybe a little bit of a defensive upgrade over Vitas, I, I just think that ability in the attack, that ability uh, to have a true wide left-sided attacking threat just makes the Timbers so much better going forward uh, because it gets, frankly, one of their best playmakers, probably their second best playmaker this year, uh, into the position in which he's most able to succeed. And so for me, I, I think it's got to be Vitas going forward. Uh, I, I, I think that is a, a an unfortunate decision that Porter has to make uh, because Miller has done absolutely nothing uh, to deserve going to the bench. Uh, but you know, and if you were a good right back, I mean, my goodness gracious, I would be throwing him at right back in a heartbeat. Uh, but that's not <laughs> what he is. Uh, and, and so sometimes, you know, that is, uh, a, a good problem to have, but it is nonetheless a problem where you've got to demote a guy that, that has done well. Okay. I think it's the time that we've all been waiting for. Uh, we've alluded to it a couple times. Uh, it is time for the hot take segment to be named later. Uh, Jamie Goldberg, you're going to go first because yours I'm just, you know, getting from a premonition uh, is is sort of apropos of the uh, RSL game. So go ahead, uh, jump into your hot take uh, segment, and I will, you know, hot take right back at you. Yeah, I, I think this is one uh, based on what I, I've read of what you've posted recently that you're going to agree with me on. Uh, at least we'll see. We'll see uh, if you agree completely or not. But I think when you look at this game, uh, at the RSL, I, I think I was a big proponent of Jeff Adenelli getting the start after the way he has played in the last four games heading into that in place of Jake Gleason. As we've seen, Jake Gleason's been inconsistent this year. He's still overall been a strong shot stopper for the Timbers, but he's been inconsistent, particularly when it comes to mental errors that he's made that have cost the Timbers goals and ultimately results throughout the season. I think Jeff Adanella had a big mental error early in the season as well in, in one of the few games where he replaced Gleason, but we had seen a goalkeeper that had started to be more consistent in those last four games. You go into the RSL game and Adanella makes the big mistake on the first goal is unable to stop a shot that was absolutely a shot he should have been able to block. And ultimately RSL goes on to win that game two to one. You don't know what that would have changed if Adanella had been able to make that stop. And I think this raises a bigger issue about the Timbers goalkeeping at this point. It, it doesn't seem like either keeper, even though they have spurts uh, of showing a great shot stopping ability is going to be consistent enough to be a starting keeper. That's going to be someone the Timbers can rely on throughout a full season. And, and both Adonella and Gleason at this point have cost the Timbers results. So I, I think what, it leaves you with is that this is something that the Timbers have to look at, at during the off season, obviously for the rest of the year, it's going to be Gleason or Adonella. And I think that could switch back and forth depending on errors and depending on the performances of either of those two players. But even though Gleason won the job last year and the Timbers made the decision to get rid of Adam Clarcy to kind of give Gleason that role. I, I don't think he stepped up and taken it this year. I don't think Adonella and his performances has completely stepped up and taken that spot away from Gleason. And the Timbers just haven't been good enough in the net. You want a goalkeeper that's going to save you in moments, and, and maybe they, they have at times, but you want a goalkeeper that's going to come up with the plays they should as well. And both these players have made mental mistakes or made mistakes in big moments that have cost the Timbers results. So 
I think the Timbers have to be looking at the goalkeeping, have to be looking at the goalkeeping program and see what they can do better there because I just don't think it's been good enough from either of the guys this year. You know, and and I think the the emphasis on the goalkeeping program is an important one because, look, Jake Leeson last year is a guy who saved the Timbers some results, right? I mean, overall, you would say uh, his net performance was a positive for the Timbers last year, and that was a big revelation. That, by the way, I think is a, is a legitimate feather in Naden Brown's cap uh, that he was able to to sort of spur uh, some development from from Gleason that got him to that point. He wasn't there uh, a few years ago. He was there last year. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, that raises the question of why isn't he there this year? And I think that in combination with the fact that Jeff Adonella, I mean, Adonella was a guy that with RSL that was, you know, pretty much the consensus best backup goalkeeper in MLS. Uh, when Nick Ramondo was out, he was a guy himself uh, who went out and got some points for Real Salt Lake, uh, who went out and won some games and, and secured some draws uh, for an RSL team when, when Ramondo was either hurt or, or with the national team or whatnot. Uh, he is a good goalkeeper. And we've seen from them uh, at times that they can be good goalkeepers. But the fact that both this year have been having pretty, you know, similar struggles. Uh, the fact that both this year ha- ha- have have performed at levels beneath which they have performed in the past really makes me think that this is something the Timbers need to look at. And I'm not saying that I know and that I absolutely think that Aiden Brown should be fired and they should sort of blow up the goalkeeping system and 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 rebuild it from from, from the ground up. I don't know that. I mean, I, I frankly I don't have enough sort of sort of perspective and information on the inside to be able to 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 say whether that's a, a reasonable outcome here. But it's something the Timbers need to look at because this has been a problem this year. It has absolutely cost them points. And, and if it was, frankly, at the level that it was even last year, the Timbers would be running away with the West right now. Uh, and, and I think that's that's easy to say because, you know, I mean, that would only be a matter of a few points. But it has been a recurring issue over the course of the year uh, to a much greater extent than I think it has been you know, maybe in in sort of the Timbers MLS history, I think you could look at the 2012 season. There was certainly some haggard goalkeeping uh, there, uh, but you know, I mean, it, it was this is perhaps the the worst goalkeeping we've seen, or or near the worst goalkeeping we've seen from the Timbers as an MLS team. Uh, and and I think the Timbers need to you know take a pretty hard look at why that is and why that was going on this year. So uh, I'm with you on that. I I think it's something where they really need to assess. Uh, the program in the offseason and see what needs to be changed. Um, speaking of things that need to be changed, uh, there was a report today from Sam Stayskull, and he was writing it for 442. You see Sam, Sam uh, pop up at MLS and also at, uh, at 442. Uh, but he, he was writing for 442 in this instance, and, and he reported that MLS is considering considering changing the playoff format to be a single elimination Kind of format, so essentially it would be able to be done in three or three and a half weeks or so, uh, and it would just be single elimination, higher seed hosts for uh, for the the play in games or the the three six four five matchups, uh, the conference semifinals, the conference finals, and for MLS Cup as it already is for MLS Cup uh, would all just be single elimination games. So you'd have no two leg series, uh, higher te- higher team hosts, uh, extra time penalties if necessary. Move on. And the point being to compress the playoff schedule quite a bit to make it so that the playoffs could start after the October international break. And then therefore the MLS regular season, or excuse me, the, uh, the, the November international break, I misspoke there. Uh, and as such, uh, the, the, the MLS regular season could extend about another couple weeks into November, which would allow teams to, to avoid a few midweek games perhaps even allow for expansion of the schedule as the league expands. Uh, and so that it would perhaps be a 36 game season uh, or, or more, but nonetheless to, to allow for that greater cushion within the schedule uh, and, and by shortening the playoffs. Uh, whenever people ask why MLS isn't able to play 40 games or 38 games, now that I, you know, actually don't learn how to count, uh, like many leagues in Europe where, where you know, they, there are 20 teams and everybody plays everybody else twice, well, why MLS can't play uh, 38 games? It's basically because of playoffs. Uh, it's because playoffs take up a significant chunk of the playable season, uh, and, and this would minimize that, that sort of footprint uh, that the playoffs would have on the season. Uh, it would also make the regular season more meaningful because 
being the home team, especially in the conference semifinals and the conference finals, would be a much bigger advantage. As of right now, uh, the sort of higher seed advantage in those in those two uh, game series and those two like series is not that great. Uh, as we've seen over the course of basically MLS's history, it hasn't been a, a huge driving factor in who comes out of that. Having it be a, a one-off higher seed hosts uh, kind of format would make it a much more significant uh, advantage and would reward, provide a much more meaningful reward for good regular season play. Uh, for this reason, I, I I think this is great. It's not sort of my you know ideal or preferred uh, setup. I really like uh, a replay system in which essentially you, you have the single elimination format, but if that single elimination game ends in a draw, then you play a replay at the uh, at the stadium of the essentially lower seeded team, the away team in the in the first leg uh, to midweek to determine who advances. Um, but they, you know, I mean, that, that that's sort of quibbling. I think this would be significant progress from where the MLS playoffs are at right now. I think it would solve a lot of problems uh, when it comes to playing through international dates and things like that in the short term, uh, and and certainly. Uh, even at, potentially add some juice to the playoffs. Uh, Sam was not super excited or, or, or was not super optimistic, I should say, uh, about the possibilities of this being uh, adopted. It'll be interesting. It, essentially, the reason he said uh, he was not hearing it was super likely was because of finances. Frankly, for playoff teams, uh, playoff teams get a good chunk of money, about a million dollars or so in, in additional revenue per game, depending on where it is. Uh, for hosting a playoff game. And that's just as, as a result of, you know, gate receipts and concessions and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, owners are, are reticent to, to, to give that up. I don't know if, if that makes a ton of, I mean, A, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily agree uh, that that should be sort of the guiding rationale. And B, I think we've seen the owners over the course of the last few years be willing to take, you know, not a huge amount of money uh, out of their own pockets in, in favor of competitive in, integrity. Uh, and so I'm hoping uh, that this would be another case in which they would be willing to do that uh, and, and, if necessary, be willing to find a way to get the revenue from other sources uh, because I, I just think this would this would make a lot of sense uh, competitively for MLS both in the regular season and in the postseason. Jamie Goldberg, am I being Pollyanna-ish in thinking they're going to take money out of their own pockets in order to do that? Well, yeah, I think you are. Uh, I think that I think that is a, a definite hurdle in, in seeing something like this happen. That said, I, I agree with you that this would be a better format than what they currently have. I don't particularly like the idea of one leg series. I, I think one and out puts a lot of pressure on playoff teams, and with such a long season, you'd like to see a little bit more uh, in there and to give teams a fair chance to kind of try to advance. That said, we already have MLS Cup as a one standalone game and we already have the knockout game as a standalone game so it's already a series with two standalone rounds and, and then two two leg rounds uh that's broken up by an international break i think it's a pretty convoluted playoff structure as it is and so if the best way to solve this and avoid that breakup with the international break is, is to make it single leg playoffs uh for each round then yeah i i would take that uh given that two of the legs essentially are already one game as it is. So I think that would be an improvement. I think right now the playoffs, you definitely see kind of interest is lost with that break around November and they just kind of drag on too long. So I, it'd be interested to see if they make the change, but I am a little bit more skeptical that if the big thing blocking this is owners not wanting to take money out of their pockets, that that's going to suddenly change. I will be the forever optimist here. I, I think this has maybe, uh, I mean, just sort of based on past and and I guess recent past experience, I think this has maybe a little bit better shot. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, go so far as to say it's definitely going to happen because you know, that would be dumb. Uh, but I think this has a little bit better shot uh, than that. I, I I mean, you're really talking about a pretty small number of, of, of home games that would be eliminated. I would think there would be enough owners that would be willing to take that little bit of a financial hit in order to get – what really are some pretty significant benefits of shortening the playoffs. Um, okay, injury time. I think there's only one big one to talk about here, but I totally could be wrong about this, and I, and I could be forgetting about something. But we should talk about Fernando Adi. Is there anybody else uh, that we really need to sort of update on in, in the injury report? Not really. It'll, it'll be interesting, and 
I'm kind of alluding to the fact that we still have to find out more information about this, but it'll be interesting to see if Vetus is in fact 90 minutes fit uh, and see if Porter can give us a more specific timeline on Marco Farfan, but we know uh, that Farfan is out for at least a couple weeks at this point already. Yeah, so, you know, Adi is the big one. It is Monday on which we're recording, which means we have very little, if any, uh, in, in, in the way of new information uh, about Adi's availability. Uh, we did have some questions, though, about whether it's sort of reasonable at this point to start being concerned about whether Adi's going to be able to make his way back at any point in the regular season in light of sort of the way his injury now has dragged on from from at one point, you know, maybe thinking it's one or two games uh, to now being six games. I mean, is this something that people should be concerned about turning into a, a season-ending kind of deal? I don't think it should be, given what the injury has been summarized as. And the fact that Porter has indicated that he's at least making progress. Uh, But Porter hasn't been too specific with Audie's timeline or what's going on. Last week, he really didn't give us much info to kind of gauge whether he'd be in the game or or how much progress he had made. Assuming he is making steady progress, I, I would say I think we can expect him back, given it's a hamstring injury. But it would be interesting to see and get a little bit more details, which we might not get at this point of the season from a from a coach in a playoff race, exactly how much progress he is making and whether he uh, has been taking steps forward or it's kind of been more of a plateau. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and here's my one request. Uh, if if Caleb is out there listening, he probably isn't. Uh, but if Caleb is out there listening uh, and this is not just about him, it's about basically sports coaches in general. If you want to be coy about injuries, just say you want to be coy about an, <laughs> an injury. Uh, just come out and say that, especially this time of year. I, I don't think anybody would super begrudge you uh, for saying it. But, you know, I mean, it, it's it's better than the song and dance. I'll put it that way. Uh, and, and and it's better than, than sort of being implicitly coy. So uh, have no shame in the coyness. Uh, I think people will get it. Um, but... You know, or if you want to be totally open, that's obviously the best uh, the best strategy. Of course, saying that from the cheap seats, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, let's let's show our cards a little bit more. Um, okay, Timbers versus Orlando City. Uh, will Johnson will not be in Portland. He remains suspended as a result of his arrest uh, on domestic violence charges a couple weeks back. That was uh, just one of the sadder stories that yeah. that that has come out of. Uh, of MLS this year and certainly with somebody like like Will that you know obviously both of us know uh, it is a, a a sad disappointing situation that you of course hope um, you know uh, find, finds its resolution as as it should in the ordinary course I don't think there's a ton that we know about it and so it's it's something that I'm always reluctant to hot take about um, because I think you can end up being pretty insensitive uh, when you do but nonetheless, uh, that is obviously an extremely serious situation uh, and something that is being sorted out. Uh, and, and frankly, that I, I think it is very clear should be sorted out without him being on the field. Uh, other sports leagues have made very serious mistakes in, the, in that regard. And so I'm glad to see uh, that MLS is, is sort of taking it seriously and, 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 you know, Orlando and MLS are taking it seriously and, and allowing it uh, to be sorted out without him on the field. I think that is the appropriate course. But uh, as it is, uh, he will not be playing in, in Portland this week. Uh, and yeah, is there anything else to add on that? I mean, it, it's something that you obviously have to sort of tread lightly uh, around because of the seriousness of the situation and, and because of the little that we know about it. It certainly sounds deeply troubling. Um, but, you know, I mean, allegations are allegations for a reason. Uh, and, and there's a process for allegations to be turned into fact. Uh, yeah, anything else uh, from that end? Or we will just note that Will will not be uh, in, in Portland uh, and and for reasons that are most unfortunate. Uh, win or bust for the Timbers? Do you think that's a fair statement uh, about this upcoming game, that this is one of those where you're saying three points or disappointment uh, for the home team? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, when, when you say win or bust, I don't think they're suddenly going to be out of the playoff race or, or in a terrible position if they lose this game. But given their hopes of ensuring that they secure a playoff spot and potentially getting a strong seed, this is a game, this is a winnable game that they should win. And as a team that wants to make a run this year, this is the type of game they have to win. Orlando has not been good recently and the Timbers are at home. This is, this is the game where you look at 
we're, we're, we're talking earlier about how we're okay with the, as okay as you can be with a loss with the RSL loss, given the recent form. But if the Timbers come back and lose this game to Orlando, then this is a real issue. Uh, two games in a row and losing at home to a team that they should not lose to uh, would be a major problem. And this suddenly favorable three or four games at home schedule isn't going to look quite as good. So yeah, uh, Timbers have to win this game. That should be the expectation. It's going to be a massive disappointment if they don't. Yeah, sim- simple way to put it. If the Timbers want a top two spot, they better win this game. Um, they do not have the advantage of games in hand uh, on some of their other competitors in the Western Conference. They do have the advantage of an easier schedule. Uh, and if they don't take advantage of that, if they don't you know, beat the Orlando Cities and beat the, the DC Uniteds uh, and, and, and capitalize on those favorable games that they have at Providence Park, they're not going to get a top two spot. Uh, they'll probably be down, you know, closer to the five, six range uh, where where I, I don't think they'd be in a terribly good position going into the playoffs. So, uh, yes, win or bust. Three points uh, is sort of the only acceptable result for the Timbers in, in this one. Uh, anything less would be a, a pretty significant disappointment. Red Medicine wants to know, what are the odds that the Timbers lose the next four games and miss the playoffs? I mean, if the Timbers lose the next four games, that would be an amazing collapse, so given how easy their schedule be. is. Uh, <laughs> even if they lose the next four games, I, I think it might be 50-50 whether they make it into playoffs. They're, they have a good lead over the red line right now. They haven't secured a playoff berth, but other teams would have to pick up points if the Timbers were not picking up any more points this season. So. They still might sneak into playoffs if they lost the next four games. It would definitely be questionable. But yeah, that that would be a massive collapse given their schedule, given three or four at home, given the teams that they're playing. And, and at that point, the Timbers really wouldn't deserve to go very far if they snuck into playoffs in one of those knockout games. You know, the only thing I have to add to that is that there are sort of the quantitative playoff odds calculators out there. And right now, they basically uniformly have the Timbers in the upper 90s. And by upper 90s, I, I think I've seen everything between 97 and 99%. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there you go. If you want the the, the actual odds, uh, Red Medicine, if you want your question taken quite literally, uh, that's about what they are. Um, Ethan, in light of Carlton Belmar being signed to Sporting Kansas City, Nick Beasler being signed to Real Salt Lake, and Aaron Long playing regularly for the New York Red Bulls, is, the t- is it fair to say the Timbers are giving up too early? on some of their prospects. What do you think? Is this sort of a a systemic problem? I think it's more nuanced than that. I I think if I'm correct, Aaron Long was here before the Timbers had T2, if I'm correct on this one, and therefore they would have had to sign him or let him go. And that put them in a completely different situation than they are in now, where they can give some players some time to develop at T2. So I, I think that one you can kind of let go a little bit you know, more. And, and he actually may have even been here before rosters expanded to 30. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think when that happened, whether it was in 2012 or 2013. Long was drafted, again, if my memory serves me correctly, in 2012. Uh, and I, I know he was, was in later. I know he was in camp, and I can't even remember, remember if at that point rosters were at 30 or not. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you're absolutely correct that they didn't have T2. Other than the Reserve League, they wouldn't have really had a mechanism in which to play him. Uh, so, so yes, that's a good point. That Sorry to interrupt, but that was just the he one thing a, I wanted to point out. He was actually drafted on. in 2014. I'm just going to oh, really? throw wow. that out there. Yeah, wow, my memory on that was really bad. Um, that's why I can't completely remember. if. T- so, yeah, at that point, it definitely was 30-player 30, 30 yeah. rosters. Now it's down to 28. Um, but nonetheless, it was before T2 yeah. because T2 only came along uh, in 2015 and, and the Timbers uh, ultimately ended up parting ways. That's right. Parting ways with long midseason in 2014. Uh, he was then picked up by Seattle uh, and and subsequently let go by the Sounders. OK, go ahead and finish. Your <laughs> now that we now that we figured that out. Um, yeah. So I, in his case, I think it's difficult because they didn't have T2. And now T2 gives them the mechanism to hold on to players a bit longer and see how they develop in this environment. And that kind of comes to the second point I want to make is I don't think Nick Best- Beesler was developing enough in this environment. He, he just wasn't doing well enough for T2. And I, I think ultimately it made sense for the Timbers to let him go. I, I think they spent enough time on him to see if this was the right fit and whether he was going to develop. And I just don't think he showed them that he was going to be there, a defensive midfielder of the future for them. So 
I felt like that was an understandable move for the, him to let them to let him go. I think the biggest question mark out of this is Carlton Belmar. I would have liked to see the Timbers give him more time. I think they had other prospects at that position and they had to find a way to get different players minutes and that probably contributed to that. But I, I do think that's a case where you wish that they held on to him a little bit longer and saw kind of how he was going to develop. Uh, but overall, I think you can kind of look at if, if you don't kind of make this broad statement, they're letting go of prospects and you look at them individually, you can understand the reasoning. So I don't think this is an overall issue at this point. Now that the Timbers have T2 of the Timbers letting go of prospects too early, but there are going to always be individual situations where you look back and say, yeah, that one might've been a mistake. You know, it's too early to tell even with Belmar. I mean, here's the reality about, both Beisler and Belmar on on RSL and SKC. And I totally agree that Long was a very different situation just because of sort of when he came up. Uh, but but with, with respect to, to Belmar and Beisler, neither have played significant, meaningful minutes. Uh, I, in fact, I think Belmar has played zero minutes for SKC. Beisler may have played a minute or two uh, for RSL, but certainly nothing significant by any means. Uh, neither were in the team for their respective teams last weekend. I mean, and, and you know, it's not that the Timbers let go of Belmar or Beisler because they thought they were bad players. Frankly, they were both pretty useful uh, USL players. The, the Timbers let go of them because they didn't assess them to be difference makers for the first team, uh, you know, in, in, in their future. And, and in many respects, the right thing to do is to let go of them to see if they can find that opportunity uh, elsewhere. I don't think you can say from just the fact that they've been signed to the first team in, in Salt Lake and Kansas City that that is the case for either of them uh, in either place. I mean, they were sort of both late summer signings uh, for both of those teams. And those are frequently guys that, that they essentially just want to bring up. They want to have on the first-team roster. They want to have in first-team training even after the USL season closes. They want to have eligible uh, to, to stay with the team uh, be beyond, you know, into the postseason if necessary. But that essentially they're giving a glorified trial to because often these aren't guaranteed contracts beyond just the end of this year. Uh, and that they just want to, you know, sort of kick the tires with the first-team with. Uh, the simple reality is of, of guys like that more flame out than than, than sort of stick. Uh, we've seen the Timbers uh, bring in a number of guys like this over the course of the years, and and more have flamed out than have stuck. Uh, and, and so you know, I certainly hope uh, for Nick and Carlton's sake that that they are able to make an impression, that they are able to sort of uh, carve out a little bit of a career in their respective clubs. But you know, I mean, I I think just from the fact that they've been signed. Uh, is not really good evidence on which to base any sort of take that the Timbers are giving up too early on them. Maybe the Timbers are the ones that are giving up at the right time, uh, and Kansas City and RSL are sort of hunting in, in, in not terribly fertile ground with guys that really are just sort of good USL uh, quality players. We'll see. Uh, that may be wrong, and, and maybe Belmar and Beasley are going are to show uh, that they are MLS contributors, and they're going to show the Timbers were too early to give up. But uh, I don't think there's any you know compelling evidence uh, that I've seen to date that that's the case. Uh, Casey, are points per game really a thing? Uh, my take on this is that, yes, they're a thing, but they're a thing that, that, like every other sort of statistic or piece of data, is used in context uh, and, and should be used in context. And the reality is points per game, especially come this time of year, uh, are important because they tell you sort of where a team is uh, relative to the number of, of games they play. And, and, and it controls, as the statistic suggests, uh, controls for, uh, for games played in, in the absolute number of points uh, earned. But, I, I mean, as we've talked about on this podcast before and, and as we've talked about, uh, I, I think, in, in, in both of our, our writing venues, that isn't necessarily the the whole story. Uh, of course, it comes down to what is the strength of schedule uh, of the remaining games. How compressed are those remaining games? Do teams have to play through international windows? Do they have to have midweek games? Look, I mean, if you don't believe that midweek games are a serious complication, uh, look at Atlanta United uh, over the course of this last week, who absolutely demolished FC Dallas 3-0 uh, on the weekend to open up. They took that to uh, another like few levels uh, uh, against the New England Revolution midweek, 
Uh, and then they had a pretty poor Orlando City team come in at the weekend in their third game in, what, seven or eight days or whatever it ended up being. Uh, and they drew 3-3 at all three of which were at home. Uh, all three of which were played with basically the same, the, the same guys, the same, the same teams. Uh, and it was clear that that turnaround took a toll on them. They've got a lot. They've got a number more of those uh, as they go. They've got two more this week, uh, all, both of which are, are at home as well. Uh, and, and it matters. Uh, the, these short turnarounds are really, really taxing. And, and when you have uh, a bunch of games just sort of packed in at the end of the season, uh, that can make it so that you're not necessarily going to achieve the same points per game in those games, in those short turnarounds, uh, as you would ordinarily. So, uh, yes, points per game are a thing, but they're only a thing in context. Jamie Goldberg, is, is, is that too, you know, nuancy and squishy? Yeah, no, I, I think it's important to take it in context. I think it's also important to when you say the Timbers are in second place or the Timbers are in first place in the West to add in the caveat that on points per game, they rank fourth. Uh, I believe it's fourth at this moment. I think it's important to put both those two things in context because you need to tell the whole story, which is that, yes, the Timbers are at this point in the standings and, and that's how many points they have at this minute, but other teams do have games at hand and therefore have the ability to catch them if they make the most of it. But like you said, there's no guarantee of that. And that does put other teams on a tougher schedule. So I just think it's important in terms of taking both those things in context and doing what you will with them. But you, I feel like you don't, shouldn't really be saying one without the other at this point in the season uh, or else you're not really telling the whole picture. Totes, my goats, although uh, I've sort of over the last couple of weeks just started saying they're in the race <laughs> uh, and leaving it at that. Because, because, I mean, you sort of do get that thing where it, it, if ever you're like, ah, they're fourth on points per game. Somebody's like, ah, but they're actually second. Uh, and if you say, ah, they're second, somebody's like, ah, but they're actually fourth. And, and it becomes just sort of silly. And so it's easier to say they're in the race, which they are. Um, Sean wants to know, how is Chance Myers? The answer is, I don't really have any idea, uh, but I can pretty confidently say he is unlikely to be a timber for very much longer. Jamie Goldberg, is is, is that unfair? Yeah, I think that's probably likely. Uh, that just hasn't worked out with the injuries. He really hasn't had a chance to show what he can do. Uh, last time I saw him, he was wearing a boot, uh, so I don't know what that meant. We haven't really followed up on it, given it just hasn't been something that's really factored into what the lineups are going to look like right now. It would be something that would be interesting to get an update on, but I haven't gotten one at this point. But yes, I, I did see him fairly recently walking around the Timbers training facility in a boot. Uh, and just to clarify, you're talking about like an, an injured foot yes. walking boot, not like yes. one of those fancy Timbers no. themed hiking boots. <laughs> no, he was not wearing Timbers themed hiking boots. He okay. did not uh, look like he was about <laughs> to go hiking. So. Okay. Uh, well, that is too bad. Uh, I, I, I wish he could go hiking. That would be nice for him. But nonetheless, uh, I, I agree with you that that has not worked out. Uh, Andrew, do you think uh, Adi's injury and his, you know, sort of meh goal scoring output uh, over the course of the season affect his chances or, or affect the chances that he stays in Portland uh, this offseason and into next year. What, what do you think? Uh, positive effect, negative effect, or not much effect at all? I think that, first of all, I, I think it's a little bit unfair to say meg goal scoring just because I think he was in a bit of a slump before this injury. But when you looked earlier in the season, I, I don't think you would have said. I, I think he was having a perfectly good season and then went That's into a fair. little slump, slump uh, that was at, added to by this recent injury. That said, I think given that we learned that he, I believe that his contract had been extended past next season in a tweet from Merritt Paulson earlier this year, I actually think this situation would make the Timbers want to keep him more because I don't think his value is going to be high, uh, as high as it could be given this ending to the season unless he comes on strong in playoffs and comes back and really is able to spark the attack as it otherwise would have been. And I think the ideal thing for the Timbers to do is to get rid of him before his final year on a contract when they're expecting that they're going to have to get rid of him regardless and try to transfer him at the highest price they can get. And I just don't think that's going to be right now. And assuming his contract has been extended, it, it, Timbers aren't really in a position where they have to do that. The correct way for you to correct me on the way uh, the framing of that question would have been just to say, uh, check your privilege, bro, uh, when you're calling 10 goals in 22 games, meh, goal scoring output. Uh, because for like every human in the world, that's pretty, pretty darn good goal scoring output. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. I, I think it, you know, I mean, if anything, uh, you know, it sort of makes those top level numbers look not quite as good. 
as uh, as they otherwise would. And because the Timbers have him under contract now, I think it, if anything, and it probably has a very little effect. Uh, but if there's any effect, it's that it makes it maybe even a little bit more likely that he stays in Portland because of the reason you stated. Uh, Mike, who is the greatest of all time? And as I added, why is it Diego Valeri? Yes, it is Diego Valeri. And I think they should make an exception and put up a statue of him before he finishes playing because there should be really, a statue though, of him. Really, though, isn't that just awkward? <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> like, but there should be a statue of him out there. Yes, uh, de- definitely build the statue. I say, like, wait until after he retires. But it is it is Diego <laughs> just, Valeri. Just build uh, we- the statue the day he retires. Just put it out there. Just have it completely ready to go. Um, yeah, a, I mean, a, he pre- will a prefab statue. <laughs> yes. What would what would your what would your pose for Diego Valeri be uh, in in his statue? Uh, like, what, what what would you make it as? I saw yours and it was pretty good, so I don't want to steal that. So I'm trying to think of what would be a. I'm going to let you say that, but I'm trying to think would be another. A lot of people have said the celebration, uh, the celebration to the, uh, to the MLS cup goal, uh, sort of a still from that should be the statue. I, I really like the, the shooting the email off to Takani uh, after his first goal in Portland, which I, I still insist remains his best goal that he scored as a timber. Like I, 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 I watch that a couple times a year and every time I watch it, I'm like, man, that goal is even better than I remembered it being. That was a spectacular goal. Uh, and that may have been how, uh, how whoever it was, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was Adrian Healy uh, on the call that day. Uh, whoever it was made the call, but it was a tremendous goal, and he scored a lot for the Timbers. But that one, man, that was something special. Uh, is there any other like sort of image immediately from Diego Valeri that sticks in your mind as to, as to what the statue should be? No, I can't really think of a, another good one. The MLS Cup one would obviously make a lot of sense, but that would maybe be a little bit of a weird statue. Your yours, I think, might look a little bit better. Yeah, I mean the the like guns thing for 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 that moment because like he typed out the email and then he like. He like sent it off with like the gun things and 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 those that looks pretty cool, um and and it would definitely be like the pointing up at Connie one not like the typing email although that would be sort of hilarious. Uh, Thorns they they go at to Orlando. This is by the way uh, hate Orlando week or I don't know something we don't really hate Orlando, uh, but nonetheless both t- uh, Portland teams uh, the Timbers and Thorns are playing uh, their their Orlando counterparts. The Thorns take on the Pride Saturday at twelve thirty Pacific time. Uh, I think the big question lingering over this one, uh, which we may not have a ton of new information on, but but the big question is, will Tobin or won't Tobin? Uh, she has been with the U.S. Women's National Team. She did not play in their first game against New Zealand. Uh, they play New Zealand again tomorrow. I frankly would be surprised if she plays, uh, since she hasn't played at all on, on, on the club level. But, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a total shock to see her step in for 10 or 15 minutes. But she has been there. She has been training. Uh, what from that do you garner uh, about the the possibility that she plays for the Thorns on the weekend? Yeah, uh, my my thought was that they National Team was probably calling her in just to give her a look uh, in a training environment and seeing how she's doing and not planning on playing her. And that's kind of what I'm hoping because I'd like her to come back to Portland well rested and ready for this game. Mark Parsons had talked about targeting this game as her debut, and given that she has been training in the national team environment, there's been a lot of photos of her out there. I think there's a pretty good chance that she could be involved in this. Uh, I'm going to have to get an update from Mark tomorrow to get an answer on whether she will be in that game. But given the progress she's been making, I think it's a really good chance. So the, this this game raises a couple other questions in combination with the the national team game on Tuesday. Uh, it's a little bit of a tight turnaround. Uh, it's not like the worst turnaround in the world. It's Tuesday to Saturday, but it is a little bit of a tight turnaround. Uh, and, and if the, the the Thorns U.S. Women's National Team players play on Tuesday in that game, do you think it makes sense to bring them back for a full shift on Saturday against the Pride in light of the fact that the Thorns have clinched a top two spot and, you know, going and, and, and winning the Shield seems, uh, at least the odds of that seem pretty remote at this point. What do you, how, if you were Mark Parsons, would you approach that question? If you do have, have, have a Lindsey Horan or, or somebody like that going out and putting in, you know, maybe a 60 or 70 minute shift against New Zealand. I, I think that you approach it by asking them how they're feeling and having them evaluated by medical staff. And if you feel like they're ready to go playing them, I I really do think, especially when you're talking about the potential of integrating Tobin and and getting this lineup 
working out and kind of putting yourself, putting the team in a position where they're going to be on a high note heading into playoffs. So they have to keep pushing it and doing what they can to potentially win that shield or at least play their best soccer in these final two games heading into playoffs. So I don't think you push a player if they go 90 or something on Tuesday and, and they just don't look up to it with the travel. You don't want to put it, anyone in a, in a position where they could sustain an injury. But if they're ready to go, if the medical staff says it's fine, if they feel fine, I say you go with your best lineup. So go with your best lineup is is Jamie Goldberg's uh, take. And I, I think that's generally reasonable. Of course, you're going to determine it based on how they looked coming back in. That is, though, a question in the back of my mind. Also in the back of my mind, though, is the fact that the, thorn, the thorns, the thorns, the thorns, thorns really are only two points behind uh, the curve, albeit with the Courage having a game in hand. If the, the Thorns were to go to Orlando and win, and if, if the Courage were, were to lose at New Jersey, which, you know, I mean, Sky Blue is not a bad team. Uh, they are eliminated, so, the, so that, you know, probably takes a little bit of the juice out of that one. But it, it wouldn't be a total shock. It wouldn't be a jaw on the floor kind of thing. Uh, if Sky Blue were to come uh, and, and beat the Courage on the weekend, then all of a sudden, the, even with the game in hand, it would be the Courage looking up at the Thorns in the standings. Uh, with the Thorns having a home game to, to finish out the schedule. And so, you know, I mean, it, it is a remote possibility that the Thorns win uh, w- win the Shield, but it, it's a non-laughable remote possibility. It's probably somewhere between 5 and 10%, which, you know, oh, that's only 5 or 10%. But my goodness, it's 5 or 10% of a chance to, to, to win a trophy, uh, and that's nothing to shake a stick at. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my approach would be I don't want to do anything heroic. I don't want to ask anybody who doesn't look up to it uh, or who, who is really taxed from the travel, from the play, from the training camp with the national team uh, to come back and, and give me a big full shift uh, against Orlando. But, you know, if they come back in decent shape, yeah, heck yeah. Uh, I, I think you've got to throw them out there and, and be serious about it. Jamie Goldberg, uh, you're putting up <laughs> a finger on the other side of the internet. And it's not your middle <laughs> finger, so I don't think you Yeah, I just... The other thing that I think is important to recognize is it's not just the U.S. women's national team players. They, the Thorns do have some other internationals currently away that are yes, going to be definitely. in a similar boat. So there is going to be a number of players that uh, that they're going to have to make decisions on. And I think that's even all all the more reason because they have such a significant number coming back that they're going to have to make decisions on an individual basis and probably go with some of those players if they're up for it. Yes, from, from Nadia Nadim to uh, Haley Rasa, they are all out. Dagny Brinia's daughter is all out. Uh, they are all out on international duty right now. Uh, I think they're all slated to be back in time for the game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, uh, but they're all slated to be back in time for the game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, that was a, a poorly framed question question and answer, but, yes, it equal, applies equally to them. And, and, you know, I mean, certainly for those that are playing over in Europe, perhaps even greater just because the travel is even a bit more taxing. Uh, for them than it is uh, for those that are that are playing domestically. Okay, we've got one Thorns question. It is from Grumpy Oldman, uh, who wants to know, and th- this is a little bit of like sort of moral advice from Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, he wants to know, would it be morally reprehensible to skip his daughter's futsal match in order to attend the Thorns playoff game? Only one playoff game. Uh, there's only one shot to, to catch Thorns playoff action at Providence Park this year. Uh, it will be in that semifinal. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, daughter's futsal game, Thorns playoff game. What advice yeah, do you give him? There will be other futsal games. So I, I say go to the Thorns game, but I'm not a parent. And so therefore I'm probably completely wrong. <laughs> right. No, neither am I. So, so I mean, we, we are like probably the worst people in the world to ask uh, about this, but, but I mean, you know, ha, ha, have you uh, explored all other options? Uh, are, are, is everybody else in, in the futsal league? Are they also Thorns fans? And they've like put pressure on the league to like reschedule the game. Uh, this is time. I, it sounds, it sounds far fetched. It is time for, for heroic measures from you, uh, grumpy old man, even if it's not uh, necessarily from Lindsay Horan or Haley Rasso, uh, it is time for heroic measures from you to try to get out of this pickle. I'm actually in a similar pickle. Uh, I'm I'm out of town that weekend, so I was super bummed to see them draw the Saturday. If it was the Sunday, it might have been negotiable uh, to see them draw the Saturday. So I will be watching on uh, on either Lifetime or the internet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's a pretty darn big game. I, I don't know what to tell you about that. If push comes to shove, uh, and you're not able able to resolve this. 
Um, you know, because even if you're at the futsal game, you're burying your phone the whole time because you're watching the thorns. Are you really being that good of a parent? Uh, oh man, uh, this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff that like I look in my future and I'm like, decisions. Yeah, yikes. Um, okay, uh, so the, that's enough putting a grumpy old man in a pickle. Let's put us in a pickle. Let's force us to do predictions. Uh, put down a marker on where we think these two results are going to go. Let's start with Timbers uh, versus Orlando City. That's Sunday. Uh, they say 5 o'clock. They're probably lying to you. It's probably closer to 5.30 uh, on Fox Sports 1. What is your call? Timbers, Orlando City. I, I think, like we said earlier, this is a game that Timbers should win and, and need to win. Uh, so I, I think that they will come through. They're going to post a 2-0 win. And Liam Ridgewell, because mostly because I'm not allowed to predict Diego Valeri is, is what I've been told. Liam Ridgewell is going to score a goal. <laughs> yeah, there's like a moratorium on just predicting that Valeri scores a goal because that is like even if you got that right, that would be one point <laughs> these days. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the Timbers are going to win as well. I think it's going to be a 3-1 game. Uh, this did not work out well for me last week but I'm going to go back to the well on it. Uh, I'm going to say a big game for Sebastian Blanco. He comes away with a brace, uh, two goals uh, for Blanco, and, and, and sort of gets back into productive form, uh, as it were, uh, and the Timbers come away with, uh, with the win that they very much need. Uh, Thorns at Orlando. Your call? I think I, I, think I went on a, out on a limb last week by saying the Timbers were going to win at Salt Lake, and I was not right, but I am going to go out another limb, and Orlando's been very good. Uh, but I, I have a lot of faith in this Thorns team and how they've been able to play and also grind out results even when they're not the be- at their best. So I'm going to go with the Thorns 2-1 two, uh, win over the Pride, which would be a really big result given that how the Pride have been playing recently and, and given that they're traveling out to Orlando for this game. And Sinclair has been the player that's been coming through. Three goals in the last two games. I, I think she's going to get a goal in this one. Uh, that would be a massive result for the Thorns. I don't think they're quite going to get it, but I think they're going to play well. Look, I, I think this game just means a little bit more to the Pride than it does to the Thorns. So I think the Thorns, uh, the Pride are going to be more likely to maybe take some of those heroic measures uh, for players coming back from the international break, uh, pushing them back into action, pushing them back into 90 minutes. Uh, I don't think they have the same luxury the, that Mark Parsons has uh, of being able to, to take a foot off the gas if need be in, the, in that kind of situation. So uh, I do think this is gonna, that's just going to make this even a little bit harder. But I think the Thorns are game. I think the Thorns are playing awfully well, and, and there aren't a lot of teams uh, that I would pick uh, against the Thorns right now. Uh, at all, so I'm going to say it'd be, it's going to be a one-one draw, and just because I can't lay off a good narrative, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tobin Heath gets that goal coming on as a late substitute. Uh, the Soccer Maiden Portland Fantasy League top three: uh, Timbertown has moved up into third with 2,850 points. Timbers Beast in second. That is Fargal with 2,855. The top spot remains as it has for like a million and a half weeks. Uh, Big Hearts Brass Balls. That's Aaron with 2,929. I am down in 51st. Uh, I moved up a little bit after forgetting to change my lineup a, a little bit ago. Uh, Jamie Goldberg remains in last place. Uh, so, you know, at least you're tied with her, even if things are going very, very poorly. Uh, this is Soccer Made in Portland. You can find us every single week uh, on OregonLive.com, on Sound 10 Footy. And by every single week, I mean eh, most weeks, at least when I don't have to go to a wedding. Um, you can also subscribe uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you so much for your questions. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the Thorns visit to Orlando, uh, Orlando City's timber visit to Portland. Uh, we'll talk about how, you know, Orlando rivalry week went uh, next week, along with any other topics that come up between now and then. Uh, as always, enjoy the games and take care.